0: Welcome to our online service for Renewal. My name is Adri and I'm so glad you're spending time with us today. Today, you'll hear from Pastor Jared and our worship team. We hope that you leave encouraged and changed for the better. Before that, I'd like to share a few ways that you can get connected during and after service. During the service, you can engage with others in our online community by introducing yourself and sharing where you're from, sending likes when you hear something you agree with, requesting prayer, following along with the message notes, or filling out the connection card at any time. Keep a lookout for the online hosts because they'll share helpful information and get you whatever you need. We're here to help you grow and to take the next right step. So be sure to fill out the online connection card so we can stay in touch with you throughout the week. If you'd like to give, you can go to renewalchurchboston.com slash give to give at any point. We believe the church is God's people gathered, and we're excited to see God work in and through you. Our worship team is about to start, and after the talk from Pastor Jared, I'll be back to share more about next steps. Enjoy the service.
1: Hey, Renewal Church, thanks for joining us today. Let's worship. We're heaven-spun creation, His pride and adoration Treasures woven by His love His careful hands they hold us Safe within His promise Of calling and of destiny Sing that again
2: We're heaven-spun
1: creation. Pride and adoration, treasures woven by His love. His careful hands, they hold us. We're safe within His promise of calling and of destiny. And It's always chasing me. His kindness overwhelming, and hope for me unending. He's never given. it wasn't a day that you weren't by my side your blood flows through my veins i'm no longer slaves to fear that we are your children and because we are your children we have no reason to be afraid god i pray that you help us to live in that daily especially in times like this that you help us to live with no fear because we are your children in jesus name amen
0: Welcome to Renewal. We are so glad that you joined us today. Today we are kicking off a brand new series called Life Hacks. And we know that life is already tough enough and we could all probably use some hacks or some help along the way. In this series, we're gonna be taking a look at people from the Old Testament. And we're gonna try to take away one lesson from their lives that can change our lives. We have a guest teacher today. His name is Simon Sim and he's going to be teaching us about the life of Mordecai and about compassion and action. So we hope that you're excited, we hope that you lean in, and we hope that you're eager to learn more about compassion and action. If you are here today, we ask that you fill out the online connection card. We ask that every single person fill this out every week so that we know who's here and we know how we can help you take that next step. There's also a space on the connection card where you can write down how we can pray for you. We pray for these every single week and we would love to be able to do that for you. If you've been coming to renewal for any amount of time, but you've moved away recently or maybe you have plans to move this year, let us know. We want to be able to send you something in the mail and help you through that. So if that applies to you, go ahead and text the word alum to 617 297. 9446. We know that transitions can be rocky, they can be challenging sometimes. So we just want to be able to support you and send you some love in the mail. It is not too late to share the link to this online service with people you know. So if you've been blessed by our services um, at all, we ask that you share that with people that you know, invite them. And we know it can be a little bit awkward sometimes, but We just ask for you to send it out to maybe one person, whether it's a coworker, a friend, uh, maybe that crazy aunt that you have, and share with them the message of hope of Jesus. Another reason today is so special is because it's Father's Day. So if you are a father or if you are like a father to people or to others, uh, happy Father's Day. And we love you. We are so grateful for everything that you do. And we want you to know that we pray for you. And if you're like me and maybe Father's Day isn't as joyful, I want you to know that you are not alone. You have a heavenly Father who loves you so much, who is with you, who sees you, and who is a God of comfort and compassion. And so with that, let's go ahead and spend some time in prayer. God, thank you so much for the blessing of today. Thank you, God, for your love, Remind us, God, how deep and how far and how wide and how long your love is, God. And allow us to receive that love, God, and help us to share that love with those around us. Holy Spirit, we invite you in. We ask that you open our eyes, open our ears to receive the message that you have for us today. Allow it to transform us, to renew us, God and to help us be more like your perfect son Jesus. God remind us that you are a God of compassion and help us to be compassionate people God whether it's through an encouraging text to somebody, whether it's lending a helping hand God and being the hands and feet of Jesus. Remind us of your love today and every day, God. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.
1: Hey church, I'm excited for you to hear from a pastor friend of mine, a guy named Simon Sim. I met him earlier this year. He's going to be planting a church in the Boston area. And I think it got pushed back from this fall to the next spring because of the pandemic, but he's going to share a little bit more about that with you. We're in a series today called Life Hacks, which is a new series for our church. And we're looking at Old Testament characters and saying, you know, if if I could only teach you one thing from the life of Abraham, it would be this, or the life of mordecai it would be this and so simon has an incredible message for you today about compassion in action and i can't wait for you to hear from him hopefully you'll hear from him a little bit more as our church wants to get behind him and help him start a life-giving church so enjoy
2: good morning renewal church Uh, my name is simon and i'm currently serving as one of the pastors at genesis church i want to take this time to thank Jarrett. I want to thank the staff as well as the entire uh, community at Renewal for just giving me this opportunity just to join you guys in church. Um, And I can only tell you how blessed I feel with being with you guys today. Uh, Just to give you a little bit of information about myself, I am 37 years old. Um, I currently am pastoring at Genesis. I am a husband to a beautiful wife. Her name is Popia. I am also a uh, father to two beautiful kids. Um, My son, Eisen, is seven years old. And my daughter is eight years old. Her name is Maya. So I'm truly, truly blessed. Um, I am currently on the road to church planting. we're looking to uh, plant a church in the Lynn area, uh, part of the Genesis Network this coming January. Uh, so I ask that you guys continue to pray for us um, as we continue to pray for you guys. Um, so again, thank you for joining us today. Um, Life Hacks, right? Such a cool sermon series. Uh, what kind of lessons could be taught or what kind of lessons could be learned Uh, from different biblical characters, right? Um, Before we get into the scripture, I just want to tell you a quick story. Um, It's a true story about something that happened to me back in sophomore year of high school. Um, This was back in, I want to say, 1998. It was the summertime. And we were preparing for a basketball tournament. I used to be part of a basketball team. Um, And in this basketball tournament, we went to go play in Harlem, New York, at a world-famous park. It's called Rucker Park, for those that do know. Um, And we were in a basketball tournament, and there was a huge rivalry between two teams, two of the top teams, Uh, Apparently, we weren't the top team, so I didn't really have to worry, but I think we only won one game in the entire tournament. Um, But in the middle of the game, all of a sudden, I hear screaming, and I hear footsteps of people running. And, of course, you know, the natural tendency is for us to turn around and see exactly what's going on. What's the commotion? Well, I turned around, and I saw a whole bunch of people running. I didn't even know what was going on. My first reaction, right, is to run and hide. So that's exactly what I did. I hopped the fence and I jumped right behind a car and I knelt down not knowing exactly what was going on. Uh, I was there for about 30 seconds and I raised my head and looking over into the basketball court and I realized there was two young individuals. They were probably standing five or six feet from each other um, and I could see them mumbling something under their breath. Uh, I couldn't figure out what they were saying because I was uh, sitting so far. Um, But what I can see was a younger Spanish individual Um, He was probably 17, 18 years old. I see him mumbling something, and then I see in his right hand, he has a pocket knife out. So as soon as I saw that, I knew, okay, uh, this is not going to be good. This is not going to be good. And then the individual that was speaking with him, that was about five or six feet away, he was doing the exact same thing. He was mumbling. And then I see him lift up his shirt just enough to show the waistband of his pants. As soon as he did that, I can see the handle of a gun inside the waist of his pants. So at this point, I'm completely panicking, and then in a the corner of my eye, I see an individual, an older gentleman, maybe in his mid-50s, walking across the court towards the, the two individuals. Mind you, I'm hiding over here, and then the guy walks up to the two individuals, starts to talk to them, and after about three to five minutes of conversation, I see him turn, he gives a hug to the guy with the knife, and he turns around, he gives a, a hug, to the person that had the gun in his waistband. I had no idea what was going on, I don't know what, you know what was said, I don't know what kind of conversation was going on, but at that point I see the two turn around and walk in opposite directions. So somehow, I don't know exactly what he said, but he was able to defuse the entire situation. So I, I get up and I'm running over there, I'm gonna go pick up my bag, it's time for me to go. My mom doesn't even know I was in New York, I did not want to get in trouble. I walk over and I hear him speaking to other people, and I hear that his name is Sean, and he says something that really touched my heart, even till this day. Sean was talking to a cop and he said, I love these kids too much, too much to allow them to do harm to each other, and I love them too much to even be fearful of what may may happen to me. He said that God had his back. He was too much in love with his community so much compassion for these kids. I'm not even sure if he knew them, right? But he had so much compassion that he was willing to put himself in harm's way in order to defuse the situation. If he wasn't there, I don't know what would have happened. Now, the reason why I'm telling you this story is because that is a prime example of what compassion looks like. That is what compassion without fear looks like. Our ability to love so much that the factors of fear is no, no, no longer in play. It's completely overwhelmed by love. So today we're going to be opening up and we're really going to marinate together, right, in the book of Esther. In particular, we're going to be discussing the character of Mordecai, his relationship with Esther. Now, if I could teach you one thing from the life of Mordecai, it would be just that. It would be compassion without fear. Now, let let me make it really clear before we continue. I'm not asking you, right, tomorrow to jump in between two people with weapons. That's not something that I'm encouraging, right? But there's a lesson that could be learned in regards to the level of compassion we have for each other. A compassion and love so overwhelming that it it leads us to live a faith, right, in God's provision. This guy named Sean, he was so compassionate for the community, and he did just that. He made bold moves, because his compassion took over his fears. So if you have your Bible handy, let's open up to the book of Esther. We're gonna be jumping in and out of Esther um, throughout the entire message. Now, we're living in a times now um, where trusting in God and and having the need to show more compassion is just so, so important. I I cannot pretend to even understand for an instance what a victim of injustice may uh, go through or think about. See, I grew up in a really rough neighborhood in Bridgeport, Connecticut, uh, which is literally 30 minutes from New York, and I grew up with, in a town that was so diverse. So I was able to witness a lot of things um, till this day that hurt. Uh, social injustices, the racisms, um, police brutality, uh, racial profiling, all of those things I saw on a normal basis. So, and as I grew up, Reading the book of Esther was something that was really dear to me, because that was something my dad used to read to me out loud. If you haven't uh, read the book of Esther, I really recommend you to do so. It's only 10 chapters, and it's a lot of gold uh, sitting in that book. And one of my favorite verses within that book of Esther speaks volumes to what's going on today in our community, right? And it's Esther chapter 8, verse 6. It says, For how can I bear to see the calamity that is coming to my people? Or how can I bear to see the destruction of my kindred. I'm going to read that one more time. For how can I bear to see the calamity that is coming to my people, or how can I bear to see the destruction of my kindred? How can I bear it? How can we bear it? I want you to remember that verse, because we're going to keep going back to that throughout the entire message. Now, in in the, in the story of Esther, right, we see in chapter one, King Ahasuerus, right? He's having this big feast, Right, And there was a point where he's asking his guards and, and his eunuchs to go and get Queen Vashti. He summons her, but for some reason she refuses. She's like, no, I don't, I'm not today. I'm not going. So at this point, he's very upset. Right? Why is she not listening to the king? So after speaking uh, uh, to some people and just uh, getting some advice, they're thought process was like, okay, if Queen Vashti is not going to live up to her duties as a queen, let's go and gather all the beautiful virgins. Let's just get them all in a row. And why don't you just pick a couple or a few just to come into the king's palace? So that's exactly what they decided to do in chapter one. Now, this is where we pick up in chapter two. I want you to read with me, right? We're going to go from chapter two and we're going to read verses seven. He, when I see says he, that's, in, that's uh, Mordecai, was bringing up Hadassah, that is Esther, the daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at. And when her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. Now, the reason why I want to start there is because you're starting to see the background story of Esther in her life, right? She has a tragic life. She lost both parents, but now we're also getting the introduction to the character of Mordecai. He took Esther in as if she was his own daughter. They're cousins, but she, he took her in like a daughter. Now you're probably saying to yourself, you know what, that's what family does, right? That's what you're supposed to do, right? If your family is in trouble, you take them in. And I understand that and I don't disagree with you one bit. But I'm just gonna ask you to stick with us just a little bit longer because we're gonna continue in the story of Esther and Mordecai and we'll see the extent of the compassion. So let's just put aside for a quick second who Mordecai was loving. And let's focus on something else. What we need to understand is part of compassion is how you love. So let's just forget about the who we're loving for a quick second. I want you to focus on how it is that we love. So we see Esther's beauty. They line up, and as soon as it lines up, the the king has now found favor in Esther because she is so beautiful, right? She's one of the the girls that's chosen to come into the king's palace. And we see that in chapter 2, verses 9. Now, at this point, Mordecai tells Esther, don't let them know um, who your people are. Don't let them know that you're a Jew, right? Let's allow the king to find favor in Esther without the prejudice uh, that may come from finding out who her people were. Now, something really, really interesting happens right here in verses 11. And every day, Mordecai walked in front of the court of Haram to learn how Esther was and what was happening to her. Every day he walked up to the court of harem. Now, the reason why I'm bringing that up is because why did he walk up there? One, was because he wanted to learn how Esther was, and two, he wanted to know what was happening to her. That gives you a quick glimpse of Mordecai's compassion for his family, for Esther. He wanted to make sure that he checked up on her. He didn't belong anywhere near the harem, but his love for Esther drove him to take that action, to continue to show compassion. And these days we need to ask ourselves, that very question, with all the injustice, with all the racism, right, with all the violence within our community, uh, let's ask each other these questions. Who are we loving and how are we loving them? Who are we loving and how are we loving them? Something to think about as well as what? Do we have the kind of love that drives us to take action? You know what a lot of times, we, what we realistically say to each other? I love you enough to pray for you from a distance. But, I, but not enough to stand with you, for you, and by you. Are we guilty of that? Are you saying to your brothers or to your neighbors or, or your family, I love you from a distance because I can pray from the confines of my room, but I don't love you enough to stand by you, to stand for you and. And with you, is that how we feel? Listen, if we're called to mirror Jesus' love, right, his ways made in his image, well, he gave his life because he loved us. That's the idea of compassion, is that driving you to love so much that fear doesn't exist. Now, when I say take action, I'm not trying to convict you to go and protest or to be part of of the rioting. I cannot tell people how to respond from losing a loved one. I cannot do that, nor do I have the right to do that, right? But us taking a risk means doing what Mordecai did. Not simply just loving and praying from the distance, but knowing that, listen, if I need to get in closer proximity to the people I love in order to check up on them, that's what I'm going to do. That is what I'm going to do. We have to be prepared to take action. So listen, I know during these days and age in this whole quarantine thing, it's hard for us to see people face to face. But we have to be smarter at this very point. Instead of just praying from the distance, let's pick up the phone, let's make the phone call. Let's do the FaceTime, let's do the Zoom, whatever it is that we need to do to take action to check up on our people. Like if you decide that you want to protest for Black Lives Matter, right? The one thing that we need to encourage each other doing is that we need to go there not to necessarily just make a point. We need to go there because we need to be that present light in order to pray for people that are there, pray with them, pray over them. That's what we're called to do. I'm going to read again. Esther's chapter 8, verse 6, it says, For how can I bear to see the calamity that is coming to my people, or how can I bear to see the destruction of my kindred? So at this very point, right, Esther is, is, is loved by the king. And we see in verses 17, she's even given the crown. Now she's taken over for Queen Vashti. Vashti is no longer a queen. And here's where crazy drama really starts to unfold. As Mordecai continues to come and check up on Esther, at this point, he is at the gate. And then two eunuchs come out, and he hears a conversation. And the conversation leads to, uh, to, to uh, him spoiling a plot to kill the king. Two eunuchs were so angry at the king that they wanted to lay hands on the king. It says that in verse 21. And from where I'm from, when you say you want to lay hands on somebody, that means a two-piece in a soda. That means violence. That means killing. So Mordecai found this out. He told Esther, and Esther told the king. He now just spoiled a plot of the king's murder. And now we start to see that the king is now finding favor in Mordecai. So now you have Mordecai You have Esther being in in, in the eyes and the favors of the king. During this entire time, there's a guy named Haman that's growing up in the ranks too. And at this point, everywhere he walks, people bow down to this guy. This this guy was one of the top dogs, right? Everybody bows down but one person. When he comes out to the gate, Mordecai does not bow down to him. Devout Jew that he is, he does not bow down to him. Oh, and at this point, Haman is mad. Who is this guy and why is he not bowing down and paying homage to who I am? Now in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 6, right, it says, so, so as they had made known to him the people of Mordecai, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews and the people of Mordecai throughout the kingdom. So now he's like, oh man, like I, have to, I don't want to just destroy Mordecai, I want to kill all his people. I want to annihilate the Jews, and that's exactly what he wanted to do. He wanted to convince the king to jump on board with that idea, send out the decree and the letter so that the Jews can be annihilated. Now let's focus on Mordecai's response in chapter 4. Now when Mordecai learned all that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes off, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the midst of the city, and he cried out loud in bitter cry. He went up to the entrance of the gates, for no one was allowed to enter the king's gates clothed in sackcloth. Okay, so let me get this straight. A message is going out that all the Jews are going to be annihilated. And his first reaction was to tear his clothes. I can't help but think of Hulk Hogan tearing his tank top, right? He tears his clothes, he puts on sackcloth, and then he goes and cries in the city and at the king's gate. But listen, I told you the story of Sean and what happened in when I was playing basketball. My first reaction when I thought I was in harm's way was to hide behind a parked car. This guy didn't do that. He tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and he went to the most public place possible. He went in the middle of the city, cried, right, bitter cries. And not only that, he walks up to the king's gate. What does that tell you about Mordecai? You know, when you're putting on sackcloth and you're putting on ashes, right? We see that in the Old Testament. We see that with David, right? That is a sign of lamenting, of mourning, right? So if if that means our innermost state is now called to be sitting on our outer side, our outermost state, then what are we doing right now? Is our inner condition reflecting what we're doing on the outside. So my question to you, if there's three things that we can learn from Mordecai's reaction, is that one, putting on, your, your, uh, uh, putting on our sackcloth and ashes. Are we doing that? Are we putting on our sackcloth and ashes? What you feel on the inside, the hurt, the pain, the compassion, and the love that you feel inside, is that what you're showing on the outside? What keeps us from doing that? What fears you have that keeps you from doing that? In our current times, we are in need of God's love. We are in need of God's protection more than ever. Does our hurt and compassion for our community on the inside lead us to showing compassion for our community on the outside? Again, Esther chapter 8, verse 6. For how can I bear to see the calamity that is coming to my people? Mordecai didn't run away like I did. He didn't run away. He ran to it. Mordecai's love for his people and faith in God led him to take those bold steps. Love for people, love for God, and his faith in God's provision equals bold acts of compassion. So what part of that equation are we missing? Is that our love for people? Is it our love for God? Or are we missing right, our faith in God's provision to, that should lead us to bold, faith, uh, uh, bold acts of compassion? compassion without fear. He went into the most public places possible in order to lament. The third thing we can learn, his compassion is no longer just for his family. It's for all the Jews, right? We said it earlier, we discussed it earlier. Oh, yeah, of course he's going to take Esther in. That's his cousin. Of course he's supposed to do that. That's what family does. Look what he does now. He puts on sackcloth, right, in representation of all the Jews as they cried and mourned. Part of the compassion is who you love, We spoke about it earlier. Part of the compassion is how you love, but now part of the compassion is who you love. What would we do, right? What would it take for us to extend who we would consider our family? Because if loving family is easier than loving your neighbor, then why can't we make neighbor family? If loving neighbor is easier than loving a stranger, then why can we make loving strangers, or make strangers, our neighbor? If we're able to do that successfully, the vastness of our compassion has now extended what was far beyond our reaches. Mordecai did that. It wasn't only about Esther anymore, it was about the Jews. Let me give you an example. Like, if you know me, if you were to see me and my wife walking, right? And I decided to stop and give my wife a hug. You probably look at him and say, that's nothing. That's his wife. That's what he's supposed to do, right? Affection. Now let's think about another image. This is another image that's going around. Now look, think of the image of a young African-American male hugging an older, white cop. That image brings... That image brings me to tears every time. It's not because it's a simple hug, it's because it's unexpected. That's that bold compassion that leads us to do crazy things. What kind of fears keeps you from taking, out that, taking on that stuff? Fear of what others may think? Is it a fear of confrontation? Is it a fear of our own personal insecurities or inadequacies? What kind of fears keep you from loving more and loving better? Are the fears of consequences because we don't fully believe and trust in God's plan? Let's see how crazy God's plan is right now. We're going to see how great it is, right? Haman hated Mordecai so much that he built a gallow, gigantic gallow, right, in public in order for the next morning he wanted to kill and hang Mordecai on, that, on those gallows. But while this was happening the same night that he built those gallows, the king couldn't sleep and he asked his eunuchs to bring in, to bring in uh, the book of memorable deeds and it was read to him. And one of those things that was written in that book was about Mordecai's good deed to the king. So at this point, The king is like, oh, man, and and we see it in chapter 6, verses 3. What honor or distinction has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? Now, while this was happening, Haman comes into the courts, right? And he comes and talks to the king because he's trying to propose to the king that he wanted to kill Mordecai. But before he could even get a word out, the king asked him those very questions. What should be done to a man who the king delights to honor? And this whole time, right, Haman's probably thinking, oh, the king's talking about me. He he delights in me. He wants to exalt me, right? But that's not what the king was talking about. That's not what the king was talking about. The king was speaking about Mordecai. So instead of Haman killing Mordecai and hanging him in the gallows, you know what happens? He ended up being the one to exalt Mordecai and putting a robe on him. So at one point, Mordecai's in sackcloth, and now he's exalted in robe. That's how great the Lord's plan is. That's how great the Lord's timing in all of it is. Again, Esther chapter 8 verse 6. How can I bear to see the calamity that is coming to my people? That was what Esther was saying to the king when she was trying to get him to reverse that decree. And that's exactly what happened. She was successful in doing that. Sent out the letter and the Jews were safe. Mordecai was faithful. He was compassionate without fear, and for it he was blessed. We see that in Esther chapter 9, verses 4. For Mordecai was great in the king's house, and his fame spread throughout all the provinces. For the man Mordecai grew more and more powerful. The man who wore sackcloth now wears a robe. In the story of Mordecai in, in the book of Esther, right? we are constantly reminded um, in a way in which we need to be more compassionate. Be compassionate to our family. Be compassionate to our community. Be compassionate without fear. Allow that compassion to guide your steps. With all that's going on right now, I know a lot of us are angry. I know a lot of us are hurt. I know that we are broken and saddened because I am too. But if we end up responding and allowing our emotions to give urgency to our steps, the least that we can do is ask that our compassion guides those very steps. I'll say it again. Emotions can give you urgency to take the steps, But allow your compassion to guide those steps. We need God in every equation in our life now more than ever. The strength of our compassion is just not measured by how vocal we can be or how fast that we can react to these kind of desperate measures, but rather by the ability for us to simply feel and to listen. I'm not asking you not to be vocal. But in order for you to be vocal in the best way possible, in order to be that bright light of God, you have to be able to feel and you have to be able to listen. I failed in that. And a lot of us have. The boldness of our compassion is not measured by how much attention you can grab by loving somebody, but rather how your fears are overwhelmed by your need to love. That's what bold compassion looks like. We live in a time of sensitivity. We have to be sensitive to how we walk, to the things that we say, right? Even in the way that we keep silent, there's a high level of sensitivity to that. But the biggest sensitivity that we need more than ever is our sensitivity to the very presence of God in all of this. The sensitivity of seeing and pointing back to God's glory through all of this, no matter how many tears may be flowing. What is he telling us? What is he telling you? Now, with Sean's story, I was given the blessed opportunity to actually meet Sean two years after this entire event unfolded. And I went up to him and I shook his hand. I'm like, I I thank you for impacting my life because I've never seen anybody take those bold steps of faith um, in order to love people. And he said something. Man, this guy is is genius. Um, And he says... And I quote, man, uh, God, uh, that's, that's all God, that's all God, not me. I only wish that we love these kids early and often instead of waiting until guns are drawn to take action. I only wish we love these kids early and often instead of waiting until guns are drawn to take action. Today is our wake-up call. That in order for us to take the right steps, We have to learn that compassion should should not just come or should not be initiated when we're in the midst of desperation. An act of compassion is something we should be doing every day. Uh, This is the way we practice of being Christ-like in order for us to be prepared for times of desperation. So what are we waiting for? How how can I bear to see the calamity uh, that is coming to my people? Or how can I bear to see the destruction of my kindred? We have to love better. Being compassionate without fear uh, because the Lord's plans are far greater than ours. Compassion is how you love. Compassion is who you love. And simply compassion is why you love. We are compassionate because he's compassionate, period. He sent his son to die for us. In order to be compassionate, you have to be able to feel, understand, sympathize. Listen, I can't pretend that I can speak on behalf of anybody. I can't even stand here and give you my stance, whether it be political, whether it be on injustice, whether it be on racism. But what I can do is stand here confident that the Lord has great plans for those that abide by him and are faithful to him. Whatever it is that you decide to do, whether it be protest or stay silent, whether it be pray or give a hug, whether it be call or meet face to face, we ask and we encourage you to continue to do that, being an example of who Christ was. I remember... There was one time when I was uh, in a car with a couple friends, and we were driving, and we were the cops were behind us, and they they turned on the lights to pull us over. At this point, I'm, I'm like, um, okay, we, we were probably speeding, that's fine. See, they give us a ticket, and hopefully he'll let us go. Um, but the reaction of my friends, I had uh, two uh, guys with me. Um, and they were both African-American, their reaction was not the same as mine's. The first thing that he said was, pull your wallet, put it on a dashboard, put your hands on a dashboard. And that was a day where I was like, what is going on in our world where we have to be fearful of those that are our protectors? And I remember talking to my dad about it, and he was, and he said, the one thing that we need to change our minds in is understand that there is one protector. And a lot of times we're so focused on the dirtiness in the inside of our cup so that we don't really ask the true question. Is our cup has, does our cup have too much dirt in it or does our cup not have enough clean water in it? So at this point, I want to encourage you guys, whether it be through social media or through your families or friends, be a good example be the light. Encourage and build each other. Walk by each other. Stand by each other. Pray for, pray with, pray over each other. Because we need that now more than ever. Renewal Church, I just thank you so much for welcoming me today. I want to encourage you all to continue to love better. Uh, be compassionate without fear. Um, and just know that you're loved and you're prayed for. Um, and like what we'd like to say here at Genesis, peace out.
0: I hope that throughout the service, you were able to learn, grow, and be strengthened in your faith. If this was helpful for you, consider inviting a friend to join you online next week through a text message before the service starts. Before you go, we'd like to remind you to fill out the online connection card so we can stay connected throughout the week. If you're not sure about your relationship with God, we want you to know that God loves you and has an incredible plan for your life. If you want to learn more about starting a relationship with God, click the button for prayer requests, and one of our hosts will be with you. Thank you so much for joining us, and we hope to see you next week. May God continue blessing you and showing you more of His love, presence, and grace.